This is the Bridge Church Podcast, an audio ministry of the Bridge Church, a Nazarene community in Oahu, Hawaii. Please visit us in person or check us out online at bridgenaz.org. We hope to hear from you. We hope to see you. God bless. Mahalo. So I know that usually I begin with a joke, but uh, today is just a little bit different. So um, I want to get right into this. Um, so this, is, of course, is my first time doing something like this. You, you know, it, it wouldn't really have even been an option in a building, but this is an interesting and creative opportunity. And frankly, um, you know, it's it's an opportunity we probably wouldn't have if we were meeting in a building. And so. Um, yeah, I, I'm grateful for that chance to reflect on this and, you know, reflect on the fact that being tied, not tied to a building may be the best thing for us. And I realized that for some number of years now, right, the idea of having a property has been on our minds, but maybe, maybe we need to recalibrate and, and reconsider, right? It's, it's the lack of being in a building that has freed me up to, to do something new and innovative today. And so... I want to invite you to, to take a little bit of a journey with me, at least in a virtual sort of way, right? And that word, journey, has been used by many, right? Life, life, for instance, is often spoken of as a journey, and life has been viewed and discussed as a trip and an adventure, and honestly, you know, most people desire that in life and in general, and they're in particular, they, they, they want their life to have meaning, right? They want, they want their life to lead somewhere. Atheists, for instance, they often seek their chief meaning in science. Naturalists uh, turn to nature, of course, and in the natural world. Buddhists, they seek meaning as they, they search out meaning in suffering and enlightenment and nirvana. And Christians, they seek meaning in viewing the world through the lens of Christ. The, the search for meaning, you know, it's probably likely always existed. It was, it was there in the works of Plato. And we, we find he had this ancient quip where he said, the unexamined life is a life not worth living. So that's kind of interesting to think about. One claim of Christianity, however, is that we're not just here on this planet waiting for what's to come. We're not merely a future-oriented or future-looking people. Yes, the, the future is important and it's significant and it shapes how we think, but we're also a people of right now, a people who believe that we can live full and meaningful lives right now. And as I was thinking about that this week, it brought to mind the old poem by Robert Herrick titled, To the Virgins, To Make Much of Time, which is kind of interesting, uh, curious title there. Um, but it fits the poem, and most people likely aren't familiar with the title, but I think a lot of people probably have heard at least the poem's opening line or opening lines, and it starts this way. It says, Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flyin'. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. 
the, the poem is aimed at uh, it's aimed at younger folks and it's a call to take advantage of their youth and to make most of the day to seize the day and this brings to mind for many of us that wonderful latin phrase carpe diem carpe diem carpe is the command to seize and diem is one form of the word day in latin thus seize the day seize the day carpe diem in one of my all-time favorite movies dead poets society the late robin williams he played uh, the part of a professor named john keating in the movie it takes place at a school known as the welton academy and uh, it's portrayed as a very rigid boys school where traditions are of the utmost importance and they're handed down to each subsequent generation the students fathers and grandfathers likely went to the school here and uh, their parents and grandparents want them to have the same not just the same kind but this very same education that they had but Professor Keating, he challenges the ingrained mentality of conformity. And he comes along uh, to Welton School and he upends some of the traditions and he urges the boys to begin considering what makes them tick, right? What their passions are, what motivates them and what makes them feel alive. And he, he wants them to see that they're each unique and they're each different, that they're not the same, that they're not the same as their peers or their fathers or their grandfathers. And in this one scene, he takes the boys out into the hallway in front of the trophy cases and there on the shelves inside the trophy cases, right along uh, where the trophies are. They're photos of young men from many years earlier, and Keating has one of the students read aloud the opening lines of the poem that we just heard. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. And he goes on to, to make uh, the Latin connection too, carpe diem, seize the day, carpe diem sees the day and he proceeds to ask uh, the boys why does the poet write these lines and eventually he tells them because we're food for worms lads because we're only going to experience a limited number of springs and summers and falls one day he says hard as it is to believe each and every one of us is going to stop breathing turn cold and die he then says, I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse the faces of the boys who attended this school 60 or 70 years ago. He says, you, you've walked past them many times, but I, I don't think you really looked at them. And so they're standing there looking at the cases and as all the boys uh, continue to approach the trophy case, uh, Keating says, they're not that different from you are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives into even one iota of what they were capable? 
Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go ahead, he says, lean in. Listen, you hear it? You hear it? And as they lean in, Keating is whispering, Carpe, Carpe Diem. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. And this week I saw a meme online that said, once this virus is done, I'm gonna carpe so many DMs. And although there may be some humor to that, I think that that's some problematic thinking. What is to stop us from seizing the day today, even if we're in quarantine and, and stuck in our homes or out on a trail like this? Going back to that movie for a moment, there's this one character who, he actually gets Keating's words twisted and he ends up committing suicide. And he wanted to be an actor, but his parents, they, they wouldn't approve. And so he took his life. And he took, and he thought, live life to the fullest before you die. He took that idea and he twisted it to mean, I can't live life to its fullest, so I might as well die. And it's a very problematic and twisted way of thinking. I know a lot of Christians too who've who've gotten things twisted. They've become, for instance, so afterlife or end time focused or so heavenly focused that they're of little use here and now. But the reality is we can start living life to the full now, being part of the bride now, here and now. And what's great is that revelation speaks to this. It speaks to our desire for meaning. It speaks too to our desire to view life as a journey. In fact, it portrays Jesus as our shepherd, the one leading us on the journey. And so uh, I want you to keep that in mind as we turn to our focal text for today, which is Revelation 7, 9 to 17. And here's what the text says. After these things, I looked, and behold, there was a great crowd, which no one was able to count it, from every nation and tribe and people and tongue, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation! is by our God, the one sitting upon the throne and the Lamb. And all the messengers, they stood in a circle around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell before the throne upon their faces and bowed before God. They were saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength is for our God into the ages of ages. Amen. And one of the elders answered back saying to me, who are those wearing white robes and from where did they come? And I answered him, my Lord, you yourself know. And he said to me, those are the ones coming from the great hardship and they have washed their robes and their white garments in the blood of the lamb because of this they are before the throne of god and they are worshiping him day and night in his temple and the one sitting upon the throne 
will tent among them. Neither will they yet hunger, nor will they thirst. Neither will the sun fall upon them, nor will it burn everything. Because the lamb, the one up in the middle of the throne, will shepherd them and lead them toward springs of living waters. And God will wipe away every tear from out of their eyes. Amen. If we read these verses closely and know a little bit about ancient Jewish culture, it seems that some themes emerge from this. And in fact, uh, they, they likely overlap and get mixed. For instance, uh, we notice a lamb in, in this text, a multi-ethnic bride. We notice white robes, palm branches, celebratory shouts, the sevenfold blessing, uh, the white robes washed in blood, the temple, God tenting, or in other word, hutting among the people. No hunger or thirst, but feasting, a shepherd or guide, living waters, and no more crying. And it seems to me that many of these images which are shaped into to wedding imagery eventually, are drawn from two ancient Jewish holidays. Uh, the one is called Sukkot, and it's an annual celebration where tents or hut-like structures are built, and they're lived in for seven days. And it, it looks back to the end of this holiday of Israel's wanderings in the wilderness. And Sukkot uh, is also known as the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. And on Sukkot, uh, priests would utter blessings, and th there would be great rejoicing. And during ancient Jewish weddings, there was often also a sevenfold blessing, blessing given, uh, like there is here in Revelation 7. It was, the, it was known as the Shiva Brachot, Shiva Brachot. So that's another thing to keep in mind. These palm branches, they're actually central in the building of the Sukkot huts or tents. And once the tent is built, God is understood as, as having moved in to dwell with humans. And so in Revelation, the imagery is that of the bridegroom preparing to move in with his bride or preparing to have his bride move in. In fact, to this day in many Jewish weddings, the bride and the groom, they stand under what looks like a Sukkot hut when they're getting married. And this symbolizes the bridegroom's home, which will soon become a shared home with the bride. But you know, some imagery may also be taken from the Passover feast, uh, particularly this image or imagery of the lamb and of the blood. Uh, one scholar, Kristen Corthuis, actually makes the point that um, it's possible that the Israelites, ancient Israelites, believed the marriage between Yahweh or God and Israel, they believe that it occurs at Sukkot. But it's only made possible because of the lamb's blood, which is spilled at Passover, when God redeems his people and brings them out of Egypt. And so my point in drawing our attention to all this is so that we can make these uh, connections, right? Because this enriches our reading and understanding of what's going on here. And what I really, really want us to get uh, is this. In Revelation, everything is leading up to this. Uh, everything is leading up to this wedding ceremony and this wedding feast. Everything is pushing toward that. But the, the looking forward to that, the looking ahead to that, you know, it's not just the time of sitting idly by. It, it's a time of preparation. So like any good bride who prepares herself 
for the big wedding day and the big wedding feast, we as the bride are to be doing the same thing, preparing, right? This time, right here and now, in other words, is leading up to the wedding and the wedding feast. This time right now is a time of preparation because our bridegroom, he has invited us to prepare this place for his return, to prepare this place for his return. And so we're allowed, we are to allow the Holy Spirit to be preparing us too for him. So this life is at once a time of preparation and looking ahead, but it's also a time, right, where we can live fully. This preparation stage should be fulfilling. It should also be meaningful. This time of preparation should be a time of carpe diem, a time to seize the day. This time of preparation, we could say, it might be a golden hour for us, a golden hour. And that, that in fact, is our word of the week, golden hour. Now, this term golden hour, it's used in numerous fields, right? For instance, in the medical field, uh, the, the phrase or term golden hour is that hour of time that's optimal. It's an optimal period after an injury or illness where if the person gets treated, they'll likely avoid, avoid death, right? So in photography, the golden hour is the, the one hour period right after the sun rises where the light is just perfect for taking pictures. But the other golden hour uh, is that one hour period just before sunset where, again, the lighting is great for shooting photos. And so that's our term golden hour. This hymn writer and, and preacher named Isaac Watts, many of you have sang his songs, but he lived in the 16 or 1700s and he wrote about the golden hour in terms of, of Christian faith. And in one hymn, he penned these lines. They say this, And is this life prolonged to me? Are days and seasons given? Shall I not then prepare to be a fitter heir for heaven? I'll not let these moments pass, these golden hours be gone. Lord, I accept thine offered grace. I bow before thy throne. Here, of course, he's, he's referring to this life as a golden hour, right? That, that period of time for bettering and improving ourselves and our faith and our allegiance to our God. And in another hymn titled, The Last Adieu, he, he said, Come, Sovereign Lord, dear Savior, come. Remove these separating days. Send thy bright wills to fetch us home. That golden hour, how long it stays. And, and, you know, I think that we can relate to that some days, especially in these most interesting times we live in right now, right? We long for better. We long for our home. We, we long for a home with our bridegroom. We're grateful for this golden hour, this life, but I know that the best is yet to come and you know that the best is yet to come. These separating days, as Watts says, create in us a longing. Nevertheless, we embrace the present, this golden hour, and we give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to prepare us and to work in us. Watts is right, I think, to refer to this life as a golden hour. And you know, I believe it pleases God when we seize that golden hour, when we make the, the most of it. And I also think that, that in many ways, this life offers us a bunch of many 
golden hours. Chances we have to make the most of a situation. Opportunities for optimal living in the moment. Living during this pandemic, look, it may be one of these once in a lifetime opportunities that we Christians have. We can, move from, we can move from that great hymn writer Isaac Watts to a modern rapper if we want, Eminem, right? Um, and, and let him ask the same thing. At the beginning of his song, Lose Yourself, uh, he asks, Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? Think about that. Would you capture it or just let it slip? Um, I, I kind of got to laugh because I wonder how many other preachers are referencing Eminem this morning during their sermon, but hey, it works. Anyway, Revelation, right? As, as you've seen since we've started our study of Revelation, it keeps bringing up this wedding imagery over and over. And while it could be easy to grow weary of that, we shouldn't. Because the reality is, is, as many of you know, getting married really changes one's life, changes everything. Getting married is a legacy, creating act. It's supposed to give meaning to one's life. And, and the same is true of the, the church's marriage to Christ. It changes everything. The bride preparing for and covenanting with her bridegroom changes everything. And so if I could repurpose a bit of uh, that scene from the Dead Poets Society here, it might help to drive the point home. Instead of telling you to, to lean in and simply carpe diem, to, to carpe diem, to seize the day, I want to encourage you to lean in and carpe Christum, seize Christ. Grab hold of him, cling to him, clutch him, don't let go of him, wrap around him, be faithful to him, carpe Christum, seize Christ, carpe Christum. Because here's the reality, if we're looking for meaning in this life, it's Christ who leads us to it. Christ is our shepherd who leads us to springs of living water to himself. He leads us to meaning and a meaningful life. And that image of being led to springs of living water is fascinating because in Revelation, the imposter bride leads to springs of poison. And the same Christ who shepherds us and leads us to springs of living water also leads his bride to a place of no more tears, no more weeping, no more mourning. He leads us into a place of blessing and goodness and truth and beauty. He does, friends. You know, we often think of Christianity in wrong ways. We, we wrongly think it's just about getting into heaven, for instance. Uh, thinking that, that heaven is some far off place even. But as we know, heaven, it's merely a synonym for the fullness of God's presence. I've talked about that. But we don't need to wait to get in on that. We don't. We can get in on it right here and right now. Likewise, we often make it about us being sinners and Christ forgiving us. Sure, that is part of it. It's a critical part of it, but it's not necessarily the main point. So here, here's something I want to, to suggest to you. I want you to think about. The overarching narrative or storyline of Scripture and Christianity really is this. Christ's coming changed the cosmos. Christ came and through him, we are offered a shot at a different world 
a world where sin and separation and death do not reign. And in fact, they're overcome by us. Christ changed the cosmos. Like he literally changed it. And he's invited us, his bride, to get in on that change. He initiated the change of the cosmos. And then he decided, you know what? I want my beloved to have a part in this too. I want my faithful bride to continue this work that I've started. And when I return, we'll bring it to its fullest point together. It'll reach its zenith, its climactic point, its culmination. That will happen. So we're not just looking ahead to the end of the world, us Christians. This world will not end, in fact. Right? We, we've seen that in Scripture. The Scripture says it'll be renewed and it'll be made imperishable. And we've been given this golden hour to help usher that in. It starts with being present where we are and doing what we can, even during a pandemic. To, to take a line from that classic film, Shawshank Redemption, get busy living or get busy dying. Now let's, get busy, let's get busy living. I want to encourage you to do that. See this life as your golden hour. Seize Christ, carpe Christum. Listen, that's your legacy, carpe Christum. Where is your life headed, carpe Christum? Where do you find meaning, carpe Christum? Where do you find fulfillment, carpe Christum? Where do you find hope, carpe Christum? That's our legacy. This is our golden hour, carpe Christum, carpe Christum. And with that, brothers and sisters, I want to participate in the Lord's Supper together, and then I want to offer a benediction, okay? So let's go into the time of the Lord's Supper here during this golden hour. <clears throat>